Today we're going to talk about Akil Badu, the World Series, and the schedule ahead for the Tigers offseason. All today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Be sure to check out the SiriusXM app. You can just search any team and get their home radio broadcast straight from the app. Very cool feature and... Very cool app, the Sirius XM app. Uh, today we are going to talk about Akil Badu, and he gets his own episode here because I think similar to Matt Manning, he is one of the more fascinating conversations as far as what to do with him this winter uh, because there is some trade implications, I guess is the word, some trade rumors, some trade possibilities with Badu. And so we're going to talk about uh, his 2023, how we've gotten to this point where a trade is, I'm not going to say likely, but uh, is, is a possibility. And then talk about uh, what he might turn into on the field, his 2024 season, whether it's with or without an old English D on his jersey. So we'll talk about all of that. Then we'll, at the end of the show, we're going to talk about the World Series. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers who win the first, to win their first World Series in franchise history. We might reminisce a little bit about when the Tigers were last in the World Series. And then we'll end the show by talking about the offseason schedule. Now that the World Series is over, we got five days for a lot of things to come together. And uh, that's really exciting. That means we get to hit the ground running here and really kind of dive into full offseason mode. Okay? So we're going to start off by talking about Akil Badu. Badu in 2023 had kind of like a happy medium of what he did his rookie year and then what he did in 2022. His rookie year is, is, is the best numbers he's put up. It's it's the best we have seen Badu at the plate. And in 2022 was the opposite. Uh, it was the worst version we have seen from him. And this year was somewhere in between. Uh, this year he would end with a... 11.8 walk percentage, which is very good. We'll talk about that later. 24.9K percentage. He had two, a 218 average, a 310 OBP, a 372 slug, 11 homers, 40 runs, 34 RBIs, and 14 stolen bases. That's all good enough for 0.9 fan graphs war. So just a hair under a one-win player. Um, I guess we can kind of start with talking about the like the beginning of Akil Badu's career. It's been a, a heck of a road. He deserves a boatload of credit and and praise for getting to this point. I mean, this is a, a guy who was a Rule Five pick two years ago, and I remember when we took Badu. It wasn't, and it's the Rule 5 draft, so no one's like super all up in arms about whoever you take because you're not really expecting them to do a whole lot. Uh, but I, I do remember specifically when he was taken, people were like, why are we taking an outfielder? Like, why 
why is that a thing? There, there's a lot more, you know, like maybe potential power threats or like we need some help pitching, right? In 2020, this was 2020 going into the 2021 season was his rookie season. So uh, the, the, I think there was a, a general vibe that like we, we could have gotten someone that maybe was a better fit for this roster. And that was pretty short-lived because Akil Badu crushed spring training and then went on and carried that over into the regular season and was absolutely electric. He was one of the most fun players legitimately in the entire game of baseball in the first half of 2021. Cooled down a little bit, but still had pretty solid numbers. He ended 2021 with 13 homers, 18 steals, a 259 average, a 330 OBP, and a 436 slug. That's a 766 OPS. And then 2022, we kind of were hoping for a step forward from Badu. And instead, he took a pretty sizable step back, unfortunately. Uh, in 220, 225 plate appearances, he had just two home runs, nine steals, a 204 average, a 289 OBP, and just a 269 slug. Uh, that was a 558 OPS. In 2022. Now we go into 2023. This is kind of like the cliff year, right? This is like, is he going to take off uh, or is he going to like be that mid 500s OPS player? Or is he going to be able to bounce back? And he again, he kind of fell somewhere in the middle there with an 682 OPS this season, double digit home runs, almost 15 stolen bases. Um, th there's the thing with Badu is that everyone understands and sees the ceiling and that's what makes him so exciting and also what makes him hard to give up on I guess as far as like if you're running a team and you're looking at like the profile here there are few more intriguing profiles in the game of baseball from an offensive player perspective than someone who walks a lot has some power, and runs really fast. That's like ideal. That is that is that is a prototype for the modern-day outfielder. And Badu has the ability and shows flashes of having all three of those tools. The walk rate has actually gotten better each year of his career. In 2021, his rookie year, he was already a, an above-league average walker in his rookie season. Uh, with a, a walk rate of just under 10%, then in 2022, despite the poor numbers, his walk rate gets better. And then this year has an 11.8 walk percentage, which is in the 84th percentile in baseball, almost a top 15% walker in the league. And that's really good chase rate, 71st percentile, top 30% in the league in not expanding the strike zone and chasing on pitches outside. So, like, he has that innate ability, and he's always had that. Again, that's something that he's maintained through the good and the bad. He's been able to draw walks. And so that's exciting, and everybody knows that I, I love my players that draw walks. And you add the speed, 91st percentile in sprint speed, 29 feet per, blah, 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 feet per second is remarkable. Um, and his base running value was in the 93rd percentile. And, and again, all, he was nine steals in 2022, but 18 and 14 in 2021 and 2023, respectively. So he, he can wreak havoc on the base paths. He can do a lot of, uh, I guess, wreaking havoc is kind of the way to describe it. He brings a lot more than just what he does in the plate. 
He brings really good base running. He brings some steel ability. Uh, and he's athletic enough where it, it should translate to the outfield. And that's kind of been an up and down part of his career. Uh, there's been some struggles defensively. And then there was stretches like at the beginning of this season in the middle of the summer where people were pretty optimistic about Akil Badu's defense and thought that it had taken kind of a step in the right direction. And then the second half of the year, it kind of took another step back. He doesn't have a very good arm, which is not ideal for corner outfield, but you can live with it if he still is bringing, you know, like covering a lot of ground and doing what he can do at the fullest of his abilities at the plate. So there, there's a lot of tools here, a lot, right? Like we talked, when we talked about Parker Meadows, we said like he was tooled up. Akil Badu very much in the same boat has the ability to, to has the potential, has the ceiling of a player with all three of those attributes, which again is very, very good. The issue is over the last two seasons, it hasn't all come together. And like, I mean, we talked about, we, we've, I've cited it multiple times now, 204 average in 2022, 218 average in 2023 batting average is not the end all be all okay i'm i'm gonna be the first one to tell you that um but you you better be walking a boatload and he is walking a lot but in, in order to raise that ops in order to raise that hitting value if you're gonna have a low average you need to have power and draw walks and while he has shown the ability to hit the ball really hard he's shown the ability to to, to have that pop we see, you know, the 440-foot home runs that he'll hit on occasion. We'll see the bombs. It's not consistent enough. He was in the 7th percentile in expected batting average with 216, bottom 10% in the league, 19th percentile in expected slug, 25th in average exit velocity, 28th in barrel percentage, 25th in hard hit rate, 1st percentile, bottom 1% of the league, in sweet spot percentage, something that in 2021, he was in the top 20% in baseball in when he had a uh, above league average OPS and almost had 15 homers and 15 steals in the same year. You feel me? Let's get, let's keep the ball rolling here. There, there's a lot more to discuss, but like that, that's just the point I'm trying to get across. Like there is tools here, but that is, it, it, it hasn't all come to fruition since his rookie year and that is why there's big question marks surrounding him going into this winter let's keep the ball rolling we'll keep talking about Akil Badu right after I tell y'all about our friends over at FanDuel score early this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sports book right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season today. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back tomorrow. If everything goes to plan, tomorrow will be an interview. If everything goes to plan, tomorrow will be an interview. Now, again, we got to hit the ground running, okay? Monday is going to be, that's when our busy week starts. We're only going to have a couple of days until the deadline, then free agency, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to have a lot of stuff to discuss uh, next week, 
But I think tomorrow, again, I'm not going to say a name yet because I, I want to make sure that it comes through. I don't want to drop through if, if something was to come up. But it should be a player within the Tigers organization. That should be tomorrow's episode. Um, let's get back to talking about Akil Badu. So what are the big differences for Badu between the rookie season in which he was so good? And we can just compare him straight to this year. We don't even need to bring all three years really into the conversation here is the difference in his ability to hit the fastball. That was something that, especially early on in his rookie season, he was crushing heaters. And now, this season, his stats against four-seam fastballs, 209 batting average, 400 slug. He had six doubles and five home runs uh this season which is not bad power still again 400 slug isn't the worst thing in the world but a 209 batting average against just four seam fastballs that's compared to 2021 he hit 276 with a 539 slug against four seam fastballs now there's been some positive developments as well he hit changeups a little bit better this year but let's just look at expected batting average okay and this is again i'm not trying to tell you that expected batting average is like the most important stat in the world but this is his expected batting average against every pitch he faced this season okay four seam fastball 235 change up 190 slider 205 curveball 198 sinker 196 cutter 265 splitter 248 sweeper 158 there's a whole lot of ones and low twos in there uh, he did not hit, there is no expected batting average better than 265 amongst all of these, and almost half of them are in the 100s. Now, again, there's some actual batting averages that are better than that. There's a whole lot of actual batting averages that are in the 100s against these as well. Um, it's it's a lot of adjustments that he is continuing to try to make. Obviously, he got off to a really hot start his rookie year, and then the league adjusted, and now he's still going through those adjustments. We have to remember this guy has already defied like the odds. And it is already so impressive that he is here playing like positive one war baseball for, for this baseball team at the major league level. He was 22 and had not played higher than high single A and was thrown into the majors and lit the world on fire. He deserves a boatload of credit for, for what he has done and the player that he has turned into. There's just... That there is, I guess that, that we can just transition into what to do with Badu this offseason. Um, I think in a similar conversation to Matt Manning, this is a guy who, when you look at the outfield, finding the path to playing time in even more so than Manning. Manning, at least, like if you don't trade him, he's going to be in your rotation. Badu, if you don't trade him, I think he starts off next season in Toledo. And that is why he is on everybody's trade radar, maybe more than anybody else in this organization going into this winter, right? Let's just look, let's just look at 2024, the outfield. Okay. Riley Green's not going anywhere. Kerry Carpenter is going to play some outfield, whether you like it or not defensively, he's going to play some outfield. He's going to get some DH looks too, but he's going to play some outfield. Okay. Those are two lefties. Parker Meadows is going to play center field. That's another lefty. You have three lefties. You have Matt Veerling, who's not going anywhere, I don't think, right? And then you have Justin Henry Malloy, who's a righty, and but like we're not even sure if he can play like major league defense in corner outfield. 
We don't even know how many games he's going to get off of DH. But like, let's even pretend that he is going to play corner outfield. There's five outfielders, three of which, the three that are going to get presumably the most playing time at that are all lefties. This team doesn't have very many roadblocks on it still on the offensive side of the ball. There's still plenty of room where if you're even a halfway decent hitter, you're going to get an opportunity. Look at Andy Abanez and Zach McKinstry, right? If you are a left-handed hitting outfielder, that is like the one thing, besides maybe like a first baseman, it's like the one thing you can't be and get legitimate playing time at the major league level for this team. I mean, we had this conversation back in the spring, right? And that's why I, I, I was an advocate for Badu to make the team out of spring training over Kerry Carpenter. Now, obviously, Kerry Carpenter turned into, I was wrong about that. That was a, a bad take, okay? Um, and Kerry Carpenter ended up being one of the best hitters on the team. But the reason why is because Badu offers you a lot. He has a very high ceiling still. And it's it's tough for me to envision an A.J. Hinch-led team with like five or six outfielders on it and four of them are going to be lefties. Now, the one saving grace as far as the conversation goes surrounding uh, what to do with, like, if, if you, you don't have to guarantee trade him because he has options, okay? He has options. You can option him down to Toledo. You don't have to put him on waivers. And I think he has multiple options at that. So, like, you can send him down. He at least has one, I know. So, you can send him down next year if, if you want to. You don't have to. Keep him on the roster. This isn't a, he makes the roster, he gets put on waivers type of decision. Which I think eases up, puts a little bit of a break on the trade talks. But long-term even, is Riley Green going anywhere long-term? Unless he gets injured, no. Is Parker Meadows going anywhere long-term? If we find out he can't hit, then maybe. But like, he's he's going to be the starting center fielder. And even if he isn't, Akil Badu is not going to play center field for this baseball team. He is not a good enough defender to, to be put in center field. That's just not going to happen. Is he going to beat out Kerry Carpenter? He didn't literally this year. Kerry Carpenter was one of the best hitters on the team. I'm not even entertaining that thought. Badu had a 682 OPS and hit 218. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to find a path long-term for Badu on this roster, which is why I think he's in trade talks. And I think that it makes sense. And I will add this, it also scares me. I still believe in the ceiling of Akil Badu. Again, it's very seldom that you find an outfielder that's really fast, has some pop, and can draw walks. That was the last attribute. I forgot my three attributes there. It's it, it, That's not super common. That's someone that you would like to develop. And again, he skipped two levels, arguably the two most important, levels of the minor league system at 22 years old, and now he's 25. He's still young. He still has options. He still has years of team control. I'm not like pounding my fists on the table like you got to get this dude out of here. But if you think that the other guys in the outfield are, are going to be like mainstays, why would you not start shopping them now? We'll keep the ball rolling this. We'll finish up this conversation and talk a little bit about the World Series. We'll do that right after this.
All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Uh, so talking about Akio Badu this winter, he's not going to get non-tendered, just like as far as you know, different ways he could not be on the roster next year. He's certainly not going to get non-tendered. It's either going to be he's traded or he's not traded. And again, like I, I, I like his tools better than Veerling's, but I think righty lefty matters too much in this situation. You need your fourth outfielder to be a righty if all three of your starting outfielders are lefties. It's tough. It's real tough. And like, if he is optioned, he'll get playing time next year because some outfielder will inevitably get hurt and he'll be the first call. Um, just like this year, right? He he didn't play. Uh, he, he wasn't in the majors for a lot of the beginning of the season for the Tigers in 2023 and still played in 112 games. So very possible for him to still get playing time. Uh, very possible for maybe the Tigers look at him and think, we, we still think we are the team that can develop him into reaching this ceiling that we think he can. Um, he, he has, in his major league career, he's had a little bit of an inconsistent swing. It's a beauty. It is one of the prettiest swings you will ever see when he gets a hold of it and when he's he's repeating the mechanics consistently. But in 2022 especially, it was all out of whack. And uh, he put a lot of work in, to his credit, and, and I think uh, and I think adjusted and, uh, and addressed, that's the word, those issues. But uh, there's still a ways to go here, man. Like, again, this is a, a guy whose expected batting average was 216 and – his power numbers, while you saw it, again, in flashes, you saw the 440-foot homer. Over the course of the full season, he was not consistently hitting the ball hard enough to justify it. It's really tough. And, and I, 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 get, I do legitimately get scared that if we trade him away, some team with a, a better major league hitting development than the Detroit Tigers has is going to be able to, to maximize his potential. Um, that thought does, that thought does scare me, but looking at the numbers and looking at the eye test, looking at however you analyze the game of baseball, it's just very hard to find a path for him in this outfield long-term as it stands right now on November 2nd, 2023, things change all the time. It's a fluid roster and a fluid game. Who knows? Maybe, maybe six, eight months from now, we're having a different conversation about that. But as it stands right now, I think that's that's something you have to consider. Now, the other thing, the last thing before we move on here, um, maybe you hold on to him. He does really well in Toledo, and he's a trade deadline next year thing, which is, like, weird. You don't see too many teams, like, sell minor league assets as, like, selling pieces at the deadline, but, like, that's a possibility. He Again, he'll, he'll probably get some at-bats next year, just inevitably based on injuries and such. Um and like, I'm, I'm trying to just find a way for him to make the roster out of camp, but like, you'd have to carry five outfielders. You would have to, or you would have to option Veerling and just have four lefty outfielders, which I don't think AJ Hinch wants to do at all. And that's still blocking then Justin Henry Malloy long-term who you want to get a look at. It's, it's tough. <laughs> this is like the most difficult conversation on the roster to me. Because I love Badu, I, I I do still believe that there's a, there's a mid to high 700s like power speed threat in there. Um, I, I still think he's young enough. Like you can you can really there's a lot of uh, of work that he is going to continue to put in, and I think there's a lot of room for him to still grow. Um, but 
Time's ticking. And, and the one, again, the one roadblock we have on offense is, is I, again, like first base, I guess, technically. And then like lefty outfielders that can't play center, especially. It's tough. So we'll see what happens. This is a similar situation to Manning. I don't want to get it twisted. I'm, I, I don't think that this is like a 100% guarantee. I'm not saying that in a month from now, this is like the most guaranteed thing in the world. Um, they they do, because of the options, they do have the safety net of like, okay, if we don't move them, we can put them in Toledo and, and it's nobody, you know, nobody's the wiser. That's fine. Um, that That is still very much a possibility that puts a safety net on this whole thing. Uh, but if anybody on the offensive side of the ball is to get traded at the major league level, this offseason, I think Badu is toward the top, if not at the top, of that list. Okay? Cool. A lot of tools. Hasn't matched in production since his rookie year. Believe in it, but believe in the other three guys ahead of him, maybe more. Unfortunate, but it's the situation. Let's talk about the World Series for a little bit. Um, the Texas Rangers win the World Series. They win their first World Series in franchise history. That's super exciting uh, for them. A great, I, I thought it, you know, the Diamondbacks were uh, a really fun storyline this season. I, I thought it was, I guess, five games, right? Like not the closest, not the most climatic ending, but I did think outside of the like complete blowout, which I guess the D-backs kind of came back a little bit in, but um, outside from that game, I, I thought that it was a, it was good baseball though. So I, I didn't have any issues with the series. We already talked about the market thing and, you know, the, the playoff format and whatnot. We've had that discussion already. Just, it's really cool. The world series is just awesome. And, and I just, I love baseball. <laughs> That's really just the, every time, like seeing the emotion on the players' faces and, and watching the, the post, you know, game ceremony and whatnot. It's just, it's the best. It really is just the best, and I, I love this sport so much. So, um, I, And it just made reminded me of when the Tigers were in the World Series. Um, and a question that I get asked a lot, and I'm wondering y'all's answer to this question, because I'm not sure there's a, there's a bona fide, unanimous, like correct or, or incorrect answer here. Was 2006 to 2016 worth it? Maybe worth it isn't the right word. Was it a success? You get what I'm trying to say? Like winning a World Series is everything. That's that's why we root. That That's the whole point. I, I don't believe in like, I'm done with moral victories, man. I'm so tired of this organization talking about moral victories. I'm so tired of like, oh, we only lost to the Dodgers by a run. We shouldn't be that upset. I'm so tired of all that. Like I, you, you play to win the game, right? To quote a, to, to quote a great coach, you play to win the game. And uh, I, I take that mentality with me. I'm, I'm a very competitive person that, that has always thought that. And when I was younger and when they first started the teardown in 2017 and I was really upset because that was my childhood team, like kind of breaking apart and we were going to be bad. I I would tell people, no, like it wasn't worth it. It was a complete failure. We didn't win a ring. But now that I'm, I'm a little bit older and I look back, um, I think my answer has changed. And I, I think it, it, it was. And, and the reason I say that is just because, man, was it fun. You know, and, and like I, that was my childhood team. Again, I, in 2006, I was 
what, seven, eight, nine years old. I was, I was in elementary school. And uh, by, by 2016, I, I just started like college. So just ended high school, just started college somewhere around there. So like, it, it's like, that was the team of my childhood. My entire childhood was, was that era was, was, was the 2006 to 2016 Tigers. And I will always have a special place in my heart for the 2003 lovable losers um, because they are the first team I ever fell in love with. And the fact that you could get tickets very close to home plate for like $7 the day of is the reason why I went to Tigers games all the time as a kid with my parents and whatnot. Like that, that team will always hold a special place in my heart, but the, the, the success was the team of my childhood. And so I, I think... I just think back to those summers, man. Like, boy, did we have fun. Boy, did we have fun those years. And and boy, was it fun watching the Tigers consistently in the postseason, consistently winning their division, watching greatness every single game out of first base, watching greatness every single time pretty much anybody took them out, right? The 2014 team now, after Robbie Ray, I think has five Cy Young winners, <laughs> on it and Anibal Sanchez won an ERA title. Like it's, it's one of the most talented and decorated rotations to ever be assembled on a baseball roster. Uh, the 2013 team, I think is one of the greatest rosters to never win a ring in the history of baseball. And I, and I mean like eras, right? Like we talk about, you know, like the, the 2004 Red Sox won the world series and they didn't win in 2005. Like, Oh, like that's one of the best teams to never win a ring. Like, they had just won the year before and they won again in 07. Like they, I'm talking like eras, like the, the late nineties, early two thousands Mariners. And then like the 2011 to, to 2014 Tigers. Like I, 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 I really do think any team in baseball in 2013, specifically any team in baseball would have traded their roster for our roster. I genuinely believe that. I think we had the best roster in the sport and while at the time it's heartbreaking and it's so frustrating to not be able to get over the hump and it, it's devastating. It's, it's soul crushing. I cried, right. When we got when we used to get eliminated, um, I, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve with this team through and through, but like looking back, what a fun decade that was. And I don't think Dave would call it a success because Dave Dombrowski only cares about winning. And people always talk about the aftermath of wherever Dave goes, you know, afterwards we're in a pit. And, you know, if this, if this core that was formulated from draft picks from sucking after Dave left, if this core wins a world series, then obviously everybody would be like, Oh yeah, that was fun. It was successful. It was worth it. it you know, it was fun. And those picks led to us like where we are now, but like, in 2023, it's a hard question because we don't know. We don't know if this is going to work out, right? And that's why we talk about it every day because we, we're passionate. We want them to get back to that spot where they're at least competing for it. And it's just, I, I've heard so many different answers. I hear so many people that are like, no, no ring, no failure. Simple as that. Fair enough. I, I understand that mindset. But and, and for me, again, I'm looking at it through nostalgia glasses because that was the team of my childhood if you were alive for you know that the 84 68 or or god bless you 45 or 35 like that's that's a a, a different maybe a different conversation because you saw them win and this team didn't win and you have your own team of your childhood um but but for me you know these days it's really hard for me to look back and and think of those as a complete failure
we had some fun, didn't we? We had some fun. And and the reason that we talk about this every day and and I show up here and, and we have these great conversations daily is uh, because we all long for returning to that. So hopefully it's sooner rather than later. And uh, hopefully we're heading in a good direction. All we got in this world is hope, baby. Um, let's talk about the schedule really quick and then I'll let you get on with your Thursday. Um, so dates to know within five days of the World Series ending. It just ended on Wednesday night. Uh, free agents will officially be able to sign with new teams after that fifth day removed. Okay. Player and club options have to be exercised and public by that fifth day. And qualifying offers have to be officially extended by that day. So all important things to keep in mind there. Uh, November 15th, you have to protect players from the Rule 5 draft by adding them to the 40-man roster. That'll be something we talk about at length leading up to it. November 17th that is the non-tender deadline, something to keep in the back of your mind as well for those arbitration-eligible players. December 3rd through 6th is winter meetings. January 12th is when arbitrary figures are exchanged. January 15th is when the international signing period for next year opens. And then February 12th is pitchers and catchers report to spring training. So uh, we got a lot going on here in the next couple of weeks. All right. We're going to have an interview tomorrow. Hopefully, if not, we'll kind of lay out the uh, we'll start talking offseason stuff. And if we do have it, which I, I believe we will, then on Monday, we'll kind of hit the ground running with all of those offseason discussions and, you know, player options. What's Erod going to do? We've already talked about it a lot, but that's when those decisions are actually going to start happening. So fun stuff ahead. All right. Buckle up. Fun offseason ahead. Another year of baseball in the books. We'll be back tomorrow. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.